Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Before we do anything else, I want you to do something with me for a moment. I want you just to welcome the Holy Spirit. You know, so often in our context of church, we, we enjoy so many things that are about what connect with us. But more than anything tonight, I want the Holy Spirit to know he is welcome in this place. Would you join me for a moment? If you want to, just, just as an extension of that invitation to him, why don't you just open your hands in front of you? In many ways, the words that I share with you this evening are hopefully just going to be an expression of what the Spirit wants to say and do in this place. And we just welcome you, Holy Spirit. You are here because you live within us. And when we come together, you are there. And we want you to be the centerpiece of our attention in these moments as you have in our worship. You're the spirit of truth. We want you to be the centerpiece now, not me or not the worship team, but because you will always point us towards Jesus. And so we welcome you. Help me in this moment, Holy Spirit, to connect with what your heart is. Help each of us to be men and women who sit in the seats where we are and stand where we are and we say, we want more of you. Because without you, there is no hope moving forward. And so we pray you'll help us, speaker and hearer, to all be men and women who are open-hearted today in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen? So, as Leon said, and he launched it so brilliantly, really, on Sunday, I was inspired by what Leon said, that we're unpacking a little bit of something about the, the values, the identity of who Life Central Church is. And it's important when we think about God that we do so in a holistic way. Now, I'm not here to give you a Bible study this evening, but I am in the first part going to dive a little bit um, into some kind of little theological pictures that might help you in understanding a little bit more of who the Spirit is. But essentially, when Jesus makes the promise of the Spirit, I think what he's trying to teach his disciples, and I'll reflect briefly on it in, in what I introduced to you this evening, that the Spirit is a companion for all of life. In the book of Acts, we... We read the story of the Holy Spirit encountering the people of God and the birth and the establishment of the church. It begins this great story through the ages of the Christian church. But it's the story of our house. When you look at the book of Acts, many of us would aspire to think, oh, to live in those days. I'm not sure if you really read the book of Acts, you would choose that when you look at the persecution that hits the church and the challenges that come the church's way. But yes, in the midst of all of that, the Spirit engages with ordinary people in an extraordinary way, and God reshapes their lives and the destiny of his people. And that transformation which each of us have experienced is ultimately not given so that we can purely enjoy some transforming experience, but that others can be transformed through our story and our experience of God. 
Now, you may have on occasions have heard Leon refer to our church here as a Pentecostal church. And for some of us who are a bit long in the tooth in these things, we, we know what that means. We have an understanding. But maybe for some of you or some of you watching in online, that's, that's something a little vague for you and it may not be entirely certain. But essentially, I believe a Pentecostal church is a church that acknowledges that everything we are and everything we do, we do so in partnership with the Spirit. We're not a Spirit-led church because we talk about the Spirit and we sing about the Spirit. We're a Spirit-led church because the Spirit is working in us and He's working through us into the world that we live in. So how do we understand the Spirit? I, I was thinking about this in the weeks building up to this evening because it would be easy to get caught up in so much of the language of the Scriptures in trying to understand the Spirit. But there's a couple of portions of Scripture that I think are particularly meaningful. I'm going to headline a couple in a moment where Jesus talks about the Spirit. Now here's a little, little theological thought for you. It comes from a Greek word which is not really important. When Jesus talks of the Spirit, he is essentially saying, I am sending one to you of the same kind as I am. The Spirit is not a mystical force. He is a person. He's not just some electricity. He has a nature and a character in every way the same as Jesus. Look with me at John 14, verses 16 to 17 for a moment, where Jesus says this, I will talk to the Father... And he'll provide you another friend. That's the word that the message uses, friend. It could be comforter. It could be advocate. It could be helper. So that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. And then in John 16, just a little thing that Jesus says there in John 16, verse 6 to 7. He says, it is better for you that I leave if I don't leave, the friend won't come. But if I go, I will send him to you. Just pause on that for a moment and just imagine the scene. Jesus has been with the disciples for three years. He knows he's on the eve of going to the cross. They sense something is happening here. And he's saying to you, hey guys and hey girls, it's better for you that I go away. How on earth could that possibly be true? When the most remarkable person you've ever met, they watched him raise the dead, open blind eyes, bring money out of the mouth of a fish, which would be pretty good in these days, wouldn't it? <laughs> and he says, it's better for you that I go away. Now, there's a whole reason around that about the fact that Jesus at this stage is carrying flesh. And he's going to go to the Father. But the reason Jesus says that is that the Spirit can be with all of us at the same time, in the same dimension of power as Jesus is. And so what Jesus is pointing out to us here is that the Spirit is God in the same way that Jesus is God. We don't have the Father, the Son, the Spirit. In fact, we don't have language or images to describe how unified, how together the Father, Son and Spirit are, but we know they are exactly the same. And Jesus talks about the Spirit in this way, about how he wants to engage in every single disciple's life. He's a friend, a comforter, an encourager, someone who is constant and present in every moment of life 
through every experience of life because Jesus says on another occasion, he will be with you and will live in you. Every person here tonight and watching online who has confessed that Jesus Christ is their saviour has the spirit living within us. Every one of us. You didn't earn it because we didn't earn our salvation. It's a gift from God. The spirit becomes the gift so that every moment of every day, of every challenge of your life, you have a constant companion for all of life. Um, Gavin and Ann Calver have written a brilliant book called Unleashed and it's all about the church in the book of Acts. And in that book, Anne says this, she says, I love the fact, I love that the book of Acts is called Acts and not Facts. This isn't just stuff to try to understand and increase our knowledge. This is about the spirit at work. And often where we don't understand the spirit and the way he works, we don't have to worry if we don't understand it. We just have to be open to receive. And in the book of Acts, we see this remarkable move of the spirit that birthed and launched the church into the world around it. But what does it mean then to be spirit led? That's just a bit of light touch touch stuff on the Spirit. We could spend weeks, as many of you know, looking and digging deeper into who the Spirit is and what He does in our lives. But what does it mean for our church, but for us to be Spirit-led people? Well, I want to show you four things in in chapters 2, 3, 4 and 5 of the book of Acts that are demonstrative of what the Spirit is doing in that early church, I believe is what God wants to be real for you and to be real for us. Because something I want you to really see is, our church is who we are. It is not something other than us. Everything that we want our church to be is everything that we need to hunger to be. Every way we want our church to live is the way that we need to live. Because we become the expression of the church. And in the first instance, we see in in Acts chapter 2, that these men and women were spirit-filled Spirit-filled. And in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, we read these very famous words. Many of us know them so well, but it bears reading again that on the day of Pentecost, that's 50 days after the resurrection, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. I heard Reinhard Bonnke some years ago talked about the fact there was a flame for every single one of them. There was no discrimination here. Here were a group of men and women, diverse character and nature, 120 of them, the Bible tells us, who were thirsty and hungry for something they didn't completely understand. Jesus had given them the promise of the Spirit, but they didn't get what that was all about. But they were able to trust him that he knew what it was about. But this isn't just a one-off experience for followers of Jesus. Throughout the New Testament, we see all the followers of Jesus encouraged to be men and women who constantly seek after more of the Spirit. One of my pastors, when I was a youngster, used to say to us, we need more of the Spirit because we leak. Would anybody else agree with me tonight, like me? I leak. I find I'm very, very leaky. Please don't read that wrong, but I'm very, very leaky. In Ephesians 5, verses 18, it's my age. In Ephesians 5, verses 18 to 19, 
The Apostle Paul says this, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Anybody want that? Oh, there's a few of you, that's great. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And A.W. Tozer was a great Christian writer of many a decade ago and he said this in one of his books, that the spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. This isn't a Morris Marina van der Plas. Do you remember those? Morris Marina with a bit of leather trim. This, this isn't a deluxe version that you could choose whether you have the deluxe version. God wants every single one of us to experience the life and dimension of his spirit in us. You know, you might not feel particularly close to God tonight, but nothing qualifies you for his love as much as nothing disqualifies you from it. It's because of his generosity and his kindness and his goodness. He wants us to encounter and engage with the Spirit all the more. And the presence of the Spirit is not something seen as mystical or mysterious. It's rather God saying, I have a companion for you for every day, for all of your life. But then something else happens as we look into what happens in the book of Acts because they were Spirit-empowered, not just Spirit-filled, And when we declare that our house is spirit-led, we are reminding ourselves, and we've sung it in our songs, that we believe in a God who works miraculously. I found that I can sing those songs that talk about miracles easier than I can believe for the miracle. I can sing them with the enthusiasm that the music inspires in me, but when I need that miracle, it's much more difficult to sing the words, isn't it? And within days of these few disciples being filled with the Spirit, we see something remarkable. We see Peter and John, who, by the way, didn't get on particularly well. John the younger, Peter the older. That's why John says at the end of his gospel that this is the disciple that Jesus loved. Just to let you know, Peter. Other reasons why that. But here they are going to the temple to pray. And they come across a man who's been there in the same position with the same problem for a really long time. And we read in Acts chapter 3 verses 4 and 6 this, that Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter says, look at us. There's, There's nothing special about us. He was asking them for money. Look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Tempted to sing a song we used to sing. He went walking and leaping and praising God. But they saying, I've got nothing, but I know a man that has. And in the name of Jesus. And the power of the Spirit at work in our lives doesn't come because... We've read the book of Lamentations in one go this morning. It doesn't happen because we've been particularly sinless for a few days. The spirit working through us is the sovereignty of God using very fragile, normal human beings. I really believe if we met Peter and John on that day, we'd have seen they're pretty normal, just like you and just like me. And miracles happen in all kinds of ways. In our church, across 
those who are watching online, there are all kinds of miracle stories of God at work. People whose lives were ravaged by helplessness and hopelessness, who found in Jesus a sense of hope and life. Miracles of healing, miracles of provision, miracles of rescue, miracles of restoration. And the God that we see at work in the book of Acts has never changed. I know that's preachers speak, but it's true. The God in us has never changed. The God in your life and my life has never changed. And if I may say it respectfully, what sometimes we've done in our Pentecostal charismatic environments is that we believe that the preacher who's up there, who's kind of got that really inspired wobbly voice, that somehow God's with him more than he's with me. It's not true. Because those of us who do that and some of those more stardom-like characters than maybe others of us, they're very human just like you are and I am. It's not about our ability, it's always about our availability. Just to illustrate that, just on Friday last, we were, we were close to getting ready to come out to the Dream Team party. In fact, Amanda was upstairs and <clears throat> I was just doing a bit of work on my laptop in the lounge and the door went and it was our neighbour opposite. We've lived in the same house for just short of 22 years and um, our neighbours lived there long before and, and we've got very close to them over the years. They're great neighbours. We wouldn't swap them and their kids and our kids grew up together. We've seen so many life journeys. And earlier this year, our neighbours, uh, Mandy's mum died and she asked me to be involved in helping in the funeral and it seemed to me in a lot to them that we were able to be there. And she came to the door and I knew instantly when I looked at her face there was something wrong and I ushered her into the house, tried to encourage her to sit down. She just stood there and said, oh, I, don't know, I don't know how to say this, but her brother had just passed away on Tuesday. And she just fell into, into my shoulder and just, and then Amanda came down, we sat down and we sat, she'd come to ask if I would look after her brother's funeral. And I said, of course I will. And as we sat there, now I need to tell you something, that over the years we have prayed and prayed and prayed for this couple. There have been moments I've gone into their house when there's been a bit of a crisis, and, and, but they've never been interested. We've given more invitations to Christmas concerts to this couple than anybody. We've, we've never wanted to, to break our relationship, but we've tried that to tenderly and lovingly reach out to them. And they're not religious. In fact, they were considered themselves quite irreligious. As we sat there, I felt the Spirit saying to me, Stuart, you need to pray for Mandy. You know when you sensed it, I'm not a nervous person usually, but I could feel that kind of sensation in my chest. I thought, well, Lord, let's go for it. Amanda sat on the sofa with her arm around Mandy, and they're lovely, they're lovely people. And um, I was conscious I needed to get ready for the Dream Team party, and there was chilli con carne on the menu, you know, and <laughs> I wanted God to work, but I was hungry. God works in the normal, you know. So I said, Mandy, can, can I ask you a favour, darling? She said, yes, sir, what's that? I said, can I pray for you? So we've, we have to leave the house in a little while. You know, she'd been with us about 45 minutes and you need to know if we hadn't, she'd have been with us for four and a half hours. She just, that's, that's, and that's fine, our home's open. She said, yes. And I bowed and I prayed and I tried to pray as sensitively as I could. And when Amanda I opened our eyes, she was like this sat on our sofa and the sense of the presence of God was tangible and she just sat there it may have just been about 10 seconds but it felt like so long because God uses the feeble actions of faith and I'm just praying that in this season as we walk with them through that that God will use that and God can use you
They weren't extraordinary people. They just had an extraordinary conviction that God could use them. Just a couple more headlines. The third thing we see, and Leon touched on this on, on Sunday, and I just elaborated on, uh, build on the back of what he said, but they were spirit changed. I think this is really important because so very often we want the power of the spirit, but we don't want the transformation of the spirit in our hearts and lives. Look again at the passage that Leon read on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to read it from the same message, the Passion, Acts chapter 4, verse 13, that, that the council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially that when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had ne never had religious training. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. Just leave that there a moment because there's the secret. It's not about our ability. It's about our connection to Jesus. Always is about our connection to him. And so very often, as I said, there are those who would love to see God work in power in our lives. And we want to be a spirit-led church where we want to see God work in power. But at the same time, we need the spirit to be working in our hearts and lives. To be, be challenging those parts of our hearts and lives where we know have to be realigned with who God is. Because I need that daily and I'm sure that I'm no different to you. John Stott, the great Bible teacher and preacher, said a few years ago that there can be no life without the life giver. No understanding without the spirit of truth. No fellowship without the unity of the spirit. No Christ-likeness of character apart from his fruit and no effective witness without his power. And the work of the Spirit in our lives, folks, is to bring the character of Jesus more to the fore in who we are. That's what we read in Galatians chapter 5, just these verses here, that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. Paul is saying you can eat that fruit to your heart's content. It's good fruit. It's good fruit because that's the work of the Spirit in us. And in our house, if we're going to be Spirit-led, we're also experiencing and, ex and, and, and expecting that the Spirit will be at work in our character as much as through us in our prayer life, in witnessing to people. And then the final thing I kind of want to say to you because I really want us to have scope and room this evening to let the Spirit move is that they were Spirit-sent. Spirit sent. In Acts chapter 5, verse 42, again in the Passion, nothing stopped them, exclamation mark. They kept preaching every day in the temple courts and went from house to house preaching the gospel of Jesus, God's anointed one. The climate of Jerusalem, as they did this, was toxic. There was rumours about that Jesus of Nazareth had risen and others trying to quell the rumours. And the Romans trying to suppress the Jews' hatred of this new group called the Way. And in that climate, they believed they were sent. And I believe with all my heart that the greatest purpose we will ever find in life is to be part of the mission of Jesus. Nothing we do in life will ever have greater eternal value than when we partner with the Spirit in helping people find and follow Jesus. That's why Jesus says in chapter 1 and verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you 
and you'll be my witnesses. The Greek word is marturia, from which we get martyr. You'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. And I believe with all my heart that God wants you and I to be men and women, younger and a little bit older, who daily say, Holy Spirit, would you work in my life? Because he's the companion that God's given us for all of life. For sometimes that power empowering isn't just to do something in terms of praying for somebody or seeing something miraculous might happen. Sometimes that empowerment is to overcome in challenging situations. I've known that. I'm sure you have too. That prayer, Lord, I need you to get through this today. I need you, Lord, to move beyond this problem. I need you, you, Lord, to stir something fresh in my heart. And being a spirit-led house will mean constantly encouraging each other to be men and women who say we're open to the spirit. I want to say to you this evening that that same spirit is with us here tonight. Do you believe that? I don't say that for a preacher's response. I don't, don't need that. I ask you just to agree in your own heart. God, the Spirit is here. We're just going to take some time to ask him to come and minister into our hearts and lives. you okay with that? So let's just pause for a moment. You're welcome here, Holy Spirit. Wherever you're seated seated this evening, why don't you, in the privacy of your own heart and life, make that request of the Lord and say, Lord, I just want to encounter you through the Holy Spirit afresh tonight. The work of the Spirit is to come and to point us to Jesus. He Jesus says that he will take what is mine and he will make it known to you. Interestingly, the Spirit is not seeking glory for himself. He wants to point us to Jesus. He wants your attention turned towards the Master, the Healer, the Saviour, the Friend, the Comforter. And you may be very new watching online or here in the room. You may be very new to this whole Christian life and this walk of faith. But you are aware, you already experienced the Spirit working in your heart and life. He's, he's sealed the work of God in bringing you into God's family as his child. But there's so much more he wants to do in your life. And in a moment or two, I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond. If you're saying, you know, I've never really in the first instance encountered a sense of the dynamic of the Spirit in my heart and life. I know I'm a child of God, but I know there's more. And I've never experienced that. I hear people talking about that, about what it is to be filled with the Spirit. I want to give you opportunity to respond and ask Jesus to do that for you tonight because it's a gift He wants to give to you. And if that's you tonight, or maybe you have for a long time been a follower of Jesus, but you just really are hungry and thirsty tonight for something fresh of God touching your life, I'd just like to invite you along with me, because I'm doing it upon the platform, just to stand. This is just if you would like someone to put their hand on your shoulder and pray with you. Maybe for the first time to say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. So anybody who's say, yeah, that's me tonight. 
just going to open my heart to God the Spirit. We welcome you. We sang earlier, Holy Spirit, waiting here for you. And in this moment, we reach for you. Are you someone who's known what it is, maybe at a previous point in your experience of God, to know a sense of the life of the Spirit within you, but you feel somehow things have dried up on the inside maybe and you would just say tonight I I just want a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit why don't don't you stand across this room this is for you at this moment it's not for me I'm not doing this for me this is for you saying come Lord You may be watching in online and you know where you are seated at home or God the Spirit is with you too for just where you are in these moments I want to ask you if you could just have a look if someone near you is standing would you just stand alongside them put your hand on their shoulder as long as someone is praying with them doesn't have to be loads and loads of people, but let's make sure nobody's standing on their own as they say, Holy Spirit, I'm looking for you today. Come, Holy Spirit. Why don't the rest of us just begin to pray now? Come on, let's exercise our, our faith. If you, if you really are in this place saying we want a sense of God, why don't you just begin to pray and say, Lord, would you touch these people? Let's all lift them up in prayer in this moment may not know who it is. You don't have to look around and tell you there's a few folks standing, but we just say now, we say, come Holy Spirit, would you come and touch these lives with a fresh empowering of your presence and your life. Come Holy Spirit in your fullness, in your, your loving gentleness and let them know that, that well within rising up, that release of life from within, that artesian well of life. And Jesus said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink and out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water come Holy Spirit come Lord come We want to believe that God can work miraculously. We want to believe in a healing God. And the team are going to lead us in a moment as we welcome the Holy Spirit and just use a song to help us focus on His presence with us in this moment. But if you really need a touch from God in healing, we want to invite you to come and stand at the front here. So some of you are a small group leader when people come with If you lead a connect group or some ministry in our church, we'd like to invite you to come and help pray for people. If you need a touch from God or maybe somebody you know, you want to come and stand on behalf of somebody you know really needs a touch from God, we're all going to stand in a moment. We're inviting you to come. 
stand across the front. Let's believe that this same Spirit worked in that early church and has worked through the ages can minister to us. Why don't you stand with me for a moment? Let's begin to lift our hearts in worship before the Lord. Before we even sing a song. Why don't you lift your hands and let's just worship Him. Can you do that across this room? Can you lift your worship? And wherever you are, if you need a touch for healing, really would want to pray for you this, tonight that we put in our faith in the one who heals. As we sing, why don't you come and stand down the front here? We'd love to pray with you. It's Dan and the team leaders. And let's just see what God wants to do in these moments that we're together, open, available to Him.